started a new life entirely and I'll tell you there's a wonderful love family there in West Auckland and how it's spreading in the surrounding districts. It's just wonderful what God's doing. And everywhere we tell it the ways of glory roll. The ways of glory roll. The ways of glory. Now this wonderful thing about this, Miss Logan says, well what is the difference between this and what we've had before? I said, well now look, we've come here with the glory. And your place will never be the same again. It's going to revolutionise you. And her testimony was this. She sat at the door ready to run out. She did such terrible things about us. Such terrible, ready to run out. Ready to run out. She first thought funny things were going to happen. The only thing that happened, people got life cleaned up. Amen. They got cleaned up and filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. And the wonderful thing about it, we have a good laugh about this, you know. We love folks to come in, you know, just to see. We love them to come in to see. Because this is catching and they get it. <laughs> they do. They come in, one man there come to bind the meeting, you know what I mean? But he got it. <laughs> he got it. Great big chap with great big arms. He got it. 
they got it now as a regular tender there. And when they do tend, they do tend, and nobody can move them off it once you've got it, you know. Yeah. You know, you spoil everything else. Yeah. Yeah. You spoil everything else. Yeah. So, brothers and sisters, I'll just say this as a word of encouragement. God bless you. You're in something wonderful tonight. And listen, I want to encourage you, probably never been in a glory meeting many times, well, whenever you come in a glory meeting, abandon yourself to it. Amen. Yes, Amen. Uh, it's it. Yes. Open up your heart. Give to God. Don't try to think of it. No, don't do that. But just abandon yourself to it. It'll change you. You'll feel be good in here. You will, you know. And when you feel good in here, other people feel the good coming from you. Because, you see, this is getting the church ready for rapture, it is, you know. And it's so simple. The first commandment, love one another. Love one another. A new commandment I give unto you, love one another. Well, I'm going to love you, and I know if I give you a lot of love, you'll give me a lot back, because I like a lot of love, so I'll give you some love, so you give me some love. You see, I love you and you love me, we love one another. And men and women take knowledge of us who have been with Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you, brothers and sisters. We all have happy faces. Isn't it marvelous? You do look grand tonight, you know. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Here's Arthur Bear to those power mine. Come on here, Arthur Bear. Bless him. 2 Corinthians 1 and... It's in the eighth verse. Now this is the sort of thing that some men would want to cover up. But God has put it on record and this man has declared it. Here it is. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> we would not have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia. Now, this was written by a man who said, If God be for us, who can be against us? Same man, he's writing this. He says, We would not have you, brethren, to be ignorant of our trouble. And he says, My, he says, listen to this, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But, oh hallelujah, but we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Hallelujah. Whatever happens along this way, God demands reality. God demands reality, brother, sister, with you. And I tell you this, because the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. You don't get anywhere with the Lord except you have truth. Now this man, independent of whether he was right or wrong, he had the truth about something that was a great trouble to him. Now some of us, what we call troubles compared to this man, we're only in the kindergarten class. He says, I fought with beasts at Ephesus. You fought with them in the kitchen, but you haven't fought with them in Ephesus. <laughs> well, anyway, you thought there were beasts. You thought there were beasts. But I heard a word Brother Friday dropped when he stood up here. He said, nobody, hallelujah, nobody 
can hinder the work of God in me. Nobody. The only fellow will hinder the work of God in me is this man here. My brother, my sister, your troubles are all within yourself. And I tell you this, when you're in the flesh and when you're a bit down and out, you'll say, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord reward him according to his work. But oh, hallelujah, when you're in the spirit, you'll shout, if God be for us, who can be against us? And you tell everybody, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And all Alexander fits into the plan and the pattern, and he's just part of the process when you're in the spirit. But when you're not in the spirit, all Alexander, he's one of the beasts of Ephesus. You say, I fought with beasts of Ephesus. Hallelujah. But anyway, this man did have a trouble, and he declared it. And he said, uh, we despaired even of life. So it was a big thing. It was a big thing. Uh, we despaired even of life. Insomuch, he says, we were pressed out of measure. We were pressed out of measure. And my brother, my sister, one of the strange things about this life in God is such that so often the pressure of God has to come upon the children of God to press them out into the blessing of God. Launch out into the deep was a word that Jesus gave, but we hug the shore. And we love to paddle ankle deep. We like to feel in this game of musical chairs that we can touch this chair. And even though we look to that one, we're just a bit afraid of leaving this to get there. But with every going, there's a leaving. With every going, there's a leaving. And I tell you, it's demanded of you and of me that there's something where God in his plan and his purpose, because we're missing the highest, so often we have to be pressed, pressed, pressed. Why? Well, the word of the Lord declares, the apostle says, but we have the sentence of death in ourselves. Where did they have it? In ourselves. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raised us from the dead. And I tell you this, God has something in his plan and his purpose to bring you to the end of yourself. Oh, brother, sister, take the pillar away and die quickly. Take the pillar away and die quickly. I tell you, the evil day, the evil day that you're putting off and you're planning to avoid, it's in the plan of God. And it's because your plan isn't God's plan that you're seeking to preserve what God wants to bring to an end. What's the good of sitting down by Cherith when the brook's dried up? What's the good of keep looking up to those ravens to drop your bread and flesh in the morning when God has dried your brook up and the plans move from Cherith to Zarephath and now God's dwelling in Zarephath? What's the good of stopping by your brook there, brother? What's the good of stopping by your brook there, sister? God's on the move and he's down in Zarephath now. While ever you have a thought of hugging and holding, you're missing the essential principle of life in the Holy Ghost. There's no hugging and holding. The whole plan of God is launching out. All the time, moving out. This is a movement. The Holy Ghost moved men. 
holy men of God spake as they were moved. Yeah. But they were moved. Yeah. They were moved. Yeah. They were moved. Yeah. Bless the Lord. This is a movement. Yeah. And I believe that the pressure from the Spirit of God will so come that the movement will either be out or in, yeah. but you'll not be able to stop in your rut. You've lived by your brook long enough. You've thought it was a permanent abode, that brook, and your only vision has been your brook. And you've not had a conception of a God down at Zarephath where the plan's bigger. Bless the Lord, and things are going to happen down there. They start off on a paltry basis. You've got to depend upon the charity of a widow woman, and it hurts your pride. But don't bother, it's all right. Before long, she'll be dependent upon you. It'll be the other way around. Because that's in the plan and the purpose of God that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Life is a game of snakes and ladders. It's the man who's at 98 and looking down at the man who's at 22 who doesn't see the snake at 99. And before he knows where he is, he's down below 22 looking up at the man he was once looking down at. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. And the word of God says... The word of God says, let him, let him, that thinker, be standard, take heed, lest he fall. You've come up a ladder and God brought you up. You've sung it. He reached down his hand and he lifted me up. You didn't climb up. You were lifted up. And I tell you, once you get a thought that you climbed up, I tell you, there'll be a serpent round the corner to take you down where you rose up. And you'll have to crawl into your little hole and say, I was all wrong. But it's all right. It's part of the plan. But you won't see it. You'll blame Alexander the coppersmith. You'll blame the beast. You'll blame the beast in the kitchen. Or the beast at work. Some beast. Say, like an old grizzly bear or somebody. It's all right. You'll blame your beast. But brother, sister, I tell you this. You'll never, never, never get anywhere in God when you refuse blame. You've got to see one of the first principles in God is to have truth. And putting it bluntly, having truth is taking blame. Taking blame. Now the power of the truth is such that it makes you free. It makes you free. As you take blame, it makes you free. Adam missed it because he blamed his wife. And he blamed God for giving him such a wife. Now that was the beginning of the fall. Oh yes. Yes, we may smile, but you go back to the book of beginnings, go back to Genesis, and I tell you there would have been a different story written if Adam had had the truth and taken his own blame. But he says, the woman thou gavest me. He blamed the woman and he blamed God for giving him such a woman. So you've got the result, the fall. And man on principle goes the same way and he avoids blame like the plague. But when you get the mind of God, you'll see that to take blame is your salvation. Is that not right? To take blame is your salvation. Well, how did you get saved? How did you get saved? Didn't you have to take some blame? Didn't you have to say, me a sinner? I tell you, no man's ever got saved, but what he had the truth that he was lost. And he deserved to go to hell. And out of your blame came your salvation. And the very truth that you've trembled from, the very truth that came to you like an avenging sword, and you fled from its pricking point, its piercing blade, when you, when you opened up to it, and you allowed the Lord to smite you, and you said, cover my defenseless head. You had no defense of your own, no justification, no excuse, 
No explanation. You just said, Jesus, cover my defenseless head. And you entered into that blessed place where the avenging sword of truth became the blessed shield of truth. And the psalmist says, his truth shall be my shield and buckler. The very truth that was as an avenging sword becomes your shield. Now that's principle in God. You and I are here tonight. The thing you dreaded once, the thing you wouldn't have once, the truth that you were a sinner. Now you think about it. You sing only a sinner, don't you? Saved by grace. You sing about the thing that was once a judge. Because God has done something in you to alter your attitude towards his truth. Amen. Well, now that's a principle that must operate right away through your life. And your birth in the spirit began by taking blame, which was having truth. And I tell you, your movement in the spirit and your life in the spirit must go along the line of having the truth. Why? Because the spirit of God is the spirit of truth. And how can two walk together? How can two walk together except to be agreed? So we've got a measure, a measure in line with as much as God can give us where we are. And you cannot move beyond the measure of your faith. I tell you this, even though you may be aware that God requires something more of you, if you move out of the measure of the faith that you have in your heart, you cannot please God. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So as God may take you beyond your measure, you mustn't go beyond your measure. You must have the truth of the position you're in and then God will come to you and take you by the hand and he can measure out another thousand. But he'll do the measuring, not you. You go up, you go up, even though the Lord said go up. But when you miss the tide and then you want to go up, you'll find the word of God changes and it's now go not up. And if you do, you'll be routed by the very ones that you ought to rout. Because... The Spirit of God is all the time on the move. And who hath known the mind of the Lord? Not you. But by coming to a place of utter dependence upon the Spirit of God, you and I may know that mind of the Lord. So to the man who doesn't know, he may know by having the truth that he doesn't know. And then the Spirit of truth makes him aware. And the wires are burning and you're conscious of the life of God moving and flowing through you. But all the time, all the time, the plan of God is that you and I should have the sentence of death in ourselves. Why? That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So see this, brother, sister, the whole plan. God begins when you finish. But we don't want to finish. We don't want to die. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Oh, hallelujah. Hurry up and die. Hurry up and die. Hasten the job, hasten the business. How easy it is, isn't it, for me to stand up here. But even as I'm ministering those words, I'm aware of this, that I can minister that to you and miss a vital issue in my own life but I'm not prepared to die. Die to my ambitions, die to my will, die to what people think about me, die to this and that and the other. I tell you, there's a lot of dying can go on while you live. But I tell you this, the plan of God is always that out of death comes life. Except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. And when you die to those beasts in the kitchen, when you've died to Alexander the coppersmith, when you've died to your troubles, 
and you've seen this, that you are your own trouble, and your very attitude to the things which God has put in your life will alter everything. It's only a matter of a different attitude to the very same set of circumstances that can revolutionize your whole life. Connie's been mentioning about breathing in, Amen. Well, Amen must be as long as to the as as fresh air is to the lungs. Amen must be the function of the heart to God. Now, when you're well, you don't notice your breathing. You just go on with the job. In, out. In, out. But you don't keep counting in and out. You just do it. And it's only when you... <laughs> it's only when there's something wrong and you're not functioning right. When you're not functioning right, then you know you're breathing. Or that you're not breathing. You're aware when you're not functioning right. Now, in the same way, the heart of man, when it functions in order before it's God, its one joyous cry is, Amen, 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 Amen. Whatever God has allowed in your life, you've got a glad Amen to it. Oh, bless the Lord. You see, it's like this, brother, sister. When you open your wage package, whatever's in is right. Hallelujah. Now it accounts to more than money. Because what the mighty power of God could prevent, the infinite wisdom of God permits. And I must bow at the shrine of his wisdom as well as the shrine of his power. Because he's an all-wise God. Now that brings you to a place where you lose that sourness. <laughs> and you accept, because of a sweet attitude, the things that are in your packet. It's only what you've sung in a hymn. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know it is well, it is well with my soul. And you see, from that amen, the function of the heart in amen before God, amen opens, amen opens, amen is the basis of revelation. You'll find that things begin to open to your sight when you say amen to God. You begin to see. I tell you, you'll see more with your eyes closed than you ever saw with them open. Because amen is the basis of revelation. And when you say amen, to what? The beasts in the kitchen? Your mother-in-law? <laughs> That neighbour across the road who left his dog run wild over you a wallflower bed? Huh? <laughs> Him? <laughs> See? You begin to lose that nasty taste. And you say, oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Amen, amen, Lord. What you've done with me is right. What you've done with me is right. And you begin to see. Oh, you begin to see like Joseph did. He turned and he said, it's not you, it's God. They're full of their apologies, and they ought to have been. They're full of their apologies. But he says, it's all right. I was betrayed and sold into the hands of the Ishmaelites, and this and that and the other. I was misjudged by Potiphar, and I was, I, 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 I was betrayed by Potiphar's wife. And right away through the whole thing, I had a raw deal. But he didn't, because it was the school of God to prepare him for prime ministership down there in Egypt. 
neither did Pharaoh know of aught that was in his hands because he put it all into the hands of Joseph. Now that man, Joseph, had to have a preparation in the school of God to fit him to be over all Egypt. And I tell you this, you'll find that God has a school for you and the daily round and the common task will furnish all you need to ask. Now you'll say, I'll have it all, but Alexander, but I don't want him. But I tell you, Alexander will do you more good than ever he'll do you harm. Now the hymn says, the hymn says, Enemies may strive to injure, Satan all his arts employ. God will turn what seems to harm me into everlasting joy. And the very bow that pulls back the poisoned arrow to penetrate into your heart, the hand of God will take it in midair and turn it to your good. He'll neutralize the poison and by the time it penetrates you, it can only do you good. Well, see it. So, amen is not to a thing, not to a person, not to a circumstance. Amen is to God. Because in his wisdom, he's permitted you a lot. Now, see, brother, sister, as another new year comes round, everything's just right for you. Everything's just right. Everything is all right now. Ah, uh, it'll be all right when we get round the corner. If I can just get this altered and that altered, I tell you, you'll find joy in facing up to the fact that everything is all right now. You'll find there the basis of your joy. You'll find there, as you come across something inside you where you've got a resistance to something that's before you in your present life, by an alteration from the inside and taking blame, you can be made free.
Amen. I feel we owe much to God. And we owe much to one another, beloved. We really do. We do, we owe much to our brother Henry and his dear wife and the dear ones in Newark who sacrificed. You know, many years ago, I wouldn't have done this sort of thing on a boxing day. I was sat by the fire with my feet up. I had a rest, had a good time. But this is the spirit of Christmas. It is. Amen. You know, our Lord was conceived in the womb of the Virgin by the miraculous operation of the Spirit of God. And everything that transpires within the church, as Samuel Chadwick says, the success of the church lies in the supply of the Spirit. And that's the reason why glory meetings are always a success. The liberty of the Spirit is there. They are operated, directed, guided, organized, call it what you like, by the Spirit of God. For it's not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. The Lord bless everyone for his name. Amen. Shall we stand and sing, brother? Says God, be with you till we meet again. It's nice to see you from brother, and bless you. It's bless my soul seeing you here. Everybody stand and God be with you till we meet again. All the bands will you right round the building. Amen. <laughs> Shall we throughout the year of 1961 talk good about people, 
think good about people and act good to people. Let us prove the gospel by starting at home, by loving one another. Amen. Find the good things. There's something good in everybody. Find the good part and leave the other one aside. Let us sow seeds of love, brother. Let us sow seeds of love, sister. As we do that, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Let us from this very moment make up our minds that we're going to sow seeds of love to our fellow men. Shall we say with the scripture, glory to God in the eyes, and peace and goodwill towards men on earth. There's a perfect marriage there. Glory to God in the eyes, and peace and goodwill to men on earth. Brothers and sisters, let us make every day a Christmas day. And one day we'll all meet together in that glory land. It'll be wonderful, won't it? God bless you. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you for such wonderful brothers and sisters. I thank you for the love we can feel coming from everyone now. Go with them and bless them. Oh, bless them abundantly, Father. And we pray that each one of us will go on, on from glory to glory. And we give thee all the praise and all the glory for the great and mighty thing that was done in our hearts. Amen and amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Oh, 